0: Hello and welcome to the UNICEF Africa podcast, where we bring you the stories of children from around the continent. There are nearly 240 million children with disabilities around the world. And did you know, compared to children without disabilities, those with disabilities are 49% more likely to never attend school. They're also 51% more likely to feel unhappy. This is according to recent UNICEF analysis. One can imagine this is exacerbated by the COVID-19 pandemic. We wanted to find out from young people themselves how COVID-19, the lockdown and other measures have uniquely affected their lives. So we headed to Namibia where we spent some time at a truly wonderful school, which is home to both visually impaired and sighted children. Take a listen.
1: I am Mr. Engelbrecht. I'm the principal of the school for the Visually Impaired. Around 160 learners at the school from different backgrounds, from different regions. And also when it comes to their disabilities, we have learners who are legally blind, totally. We have learners which we call, they are living with albinism. Then we have severe low vision children, low vision. And also we have children, because we are inclusive, that have got no disabilities. And uh, we are considering mostly kids who are coming from marginalized backgrounds with children from very poor backgrounds.
2: It has been difficult because you cannot like, be guided hand-to-hand because of the COVID regulations, because of the one meter. Mm-hmm. And maybe when you are in the line, you need help, but nobody can help you like, to come close to you because of COVID. Yeah.
0: How have you been managing personally with, with that?
2: I walk next to my friend, they tell me, they just guide me like with mouth, they tell me up, left, right, just like that. So you've
0: also had to adapt in that way. What would you want sighted people to know about the difficulties that you're facing?
2: When you go to the shop, and there's a security guard at the door, and you need to be sanitized, sometimes you didn't really know that there is someone standing. That have to sanitize you so you just walk past by and the person did not know that you are visually impaired so they get aggressive until maybe you say oh maybe you turn around and then the person say oh okay
0: that's Emilia Ndara she's 19 years old she's describing a scene that unfolds almost daily for people with visual impairments who navigate the COVID-19 reality wearing a mask and sanitizing at every door is kind of annoying for all of us right? Well, it's even more challenging if you can't see, or if you need to be
3: guided by someone else. My name is Nagalaweshipanda. I am fifteen years old in grade seven. That's
0: a pretty good chicken impersonation. <laughs>
3: yes, I love chickens because they also they are just almost like humans. They tell you whenever a chicken do that sound that I did last. Yeah. They tells me what is the time. I ask people what is the time. Then I put in mind that, oh, so when a chicken makes this sound, it's this time. We'll know what is the time next time when the chicken does that sound. Yes.
0: so it confirms the time for you. It's like a timestamp. What more can be done now, Kelo, um, in terms of protecting people with disabilities from COVID-19?
3: We need to to put on our mask and sanitize, keep our hands clean. Also social distance, because the more we do that, the more the cases decreases and uh, COVID is going down.
1: Hi, my name is Mario Marcus Mandume. I'm a grade 11 learner in Wenduk, Namibia, and I was born with albinism, it's a rare skin condition.
0: How has it been for you navigating through the COVID-19 pandemic?
1: It's been tough, but uh, you can say it's been uh, both sides, tough and easy at the same time. Because uh, though we faced some difficulty because of e-learning, we had to cope with the, with the pandemic that uh, just came unprecedented. When school was shut down, we had to start uh, finding ways to, to learn our content and uh, find a way to finish the content that we have to, to master. My name is Soini Shipura. I'm a visually impaired teacher responsible for Braille. If you have to teach Elena to do Braille very well, for us, every time you have to, you need to touch the hands of the child. The yes. child should be closer to you. Yes. The child, you have to make sure that the child is positioning his or her fingers correctly wow. yeah. and uh, you know, it's it's just about sanitizing. You sanitize your hands, you sanitize the learners' you can't hands really and, uh, teach
0: brain without touching. Yes, you
1: can't. You can't any you should be closer to the to the child because some of the children they are visually and they are also having hearing problems a bit of so you have to be closer to them. Even with the reading, make sure you put the finger and you feel if he or she is following. No, there has to be contact. yeah, it
3: has to be contact.
1: <laughs> the remarks that they are getting sometimes from their fellow classmates in our school, most we've got also learners who are sighted nowadays since we, we became inclusive. Mm-hmm. So we also have sighted learners and learners with albinism oh. and the low visions. Mm-hmm. So now if it happened that maybe this, the, the, the visual impaired bump the sighted, the sighted might even say, oh, go you away, you blind. Yeah, and that, that is touching. Yes. And uh, also I can give you another scenario whereby a teacher She was not orientated, she was not given any induction. Nobody talked to her about how to handle these children, especially the blind children. So the teacher asked, whom can I send to the principal's office? Elena with visual impaired said, you can send me teacher. And she said, no, I cannot send you because you are blind. I'd rather send somebody. Imagine now, imagine now, you're already in such a, a situation. And hear somebody really revealing to you, mm-hmm. then on the uh, sometimes the person the learner might end up saying that oh so I'm nothing, mm-hmm. I cannot even be trusted to be sent.
3: I'm not capable.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm not capable.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, you know, in 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 disability there are really a lot of terminologies and that our fellow Namibians are using. Mm-hmm. You know they can be easily psychologically uh, affected because. You know, if you think to yourself that I'm also part and parcel of the society, mm-hmm. and here you hear now you, you, you somebody's coming with these comments, then you, somehow you tend to be down, in the sense that even next time somebody say, uh, Miss Chipura, can you stand up, can you help us to do prayer, for instance, prayer for us? I might say, ah, uh, ah. Uh, uh. <coughs> I'm not capable. Can you not maybe find somebody else? But it's not because I'm not I'm not really capable. It's just because of the, the remarks that, that, that people that people are doing. Or maybe say for instance, okay, I, I might agree okay to, to, to take up that chance. I walk and maybe I bump in something, mm-hmm. then I say, oh shame. Why they didn't ask somebody who can see at least. Oh, gosh. That's, yeah. that's so damaging. It's, it's so damaging. Like in the case of the learners, they start isolating themselves.
0: Yeah.
1: They start, if if, if she used to participate, she she's becoming now,
3: she, 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 she will prefer to be quiet. I don't know who came up with the idea of this school, this school where we are today. Because this school is the one that shaped the Pelgrina that we have today. At this school, for the first time, I heard you are capable. For the first time, I heard you are beautiful. So from there, I, I, I started telling myself, oh, my teacher told me yesterday I'm capable. Then let me try and do
0: something. This is Pilgrina Ndumba and she certainly is going on to do great things. She's currently a United Nations volunteer project officer who is actively working towards changing mindsets about disability in Namibia. She's back to visit her alma mater today, and it's clear that her old
1: teachers adore her. I'm very proud of her because in most, uh, most cases I am responsible. i the one who is really uh, giving them like hope, some of them, they feel maybe they are down or somebody said something wrong to them, then they come and tell me. I always try to encourage them to tell them, not. no, but that's how life, but don't worry. One day, they will come to recognize that you can be somebody. And really, she's correct, because even from our own house, where we are coming from, a lot of us, we never had somebody to tell you that, you know, you are beautiful, you are what? As we leave the school after a busy day of
0: classes and discussions, my colleague Aune fills me in on the importance of schools like this one.
3: I'm Aune Victor, Education Specialist within the UNICEF Namibia Country Office.
1: What Namibia has, we have what we call resource schools. We don't uh, have special schools, but these are resource schools where we've got children with different disabilities. So this is a school that has been established many years back, uh, to cater for the specific needs of children with visual impairments. Now, basically what is now happening at that school, is also called an institution because it is now used as a resource school where other teachers from other uh, inclusive schools come for guidance because at this school, we have got teachers who are trained in inclusion. So we can see these
0: resource schools are playing an important role in the entire education system. Now, Mr. Daniel Trum works for the Namibian government at the Department of Disability Affairs. He highlights some of the areas the government has to consider when formulating COVID-19 regulations and some of the early stumbling blocks that had to be overcome.
1: The country came up with a regulation, they said social distancing, you must not be closer to each other, one person per family to go to town or to do shopping and so on, without thinking that there are people who cannot be able to go to town on their own. For example, a a wheelchair user need an assistant to go to town a person who is visually impaired, you need to someone to guide that person and guiding that person, need, they need to hold each other. And this was a problem with the police officers that such people are supposed not to go out, rather they used to stay home or send someone who can go alone. And also the deaf person, you might find that they have to go with a sign language interpreter. And this was also the problem with the, with the, the, with the, the law enforcement that because there are two people going out of the house,
0: It's real food for thought and forces one to be more mindful about the situations of
1: people with disabilities.
0: And UNICEF has been on the ground all along.
1: Good afternoon. My name is Rachel Odede, UNICEF representative in Namibia. COVID-19 has had impact on children directly... indirect we were able to rise to the occasion through partnerships we were able to mobilize resources and provide teaching learning materials that are you know conducive to their needs we were also able to provide masks and also provide a hygiene in schools we were also able to ensure that parents engaged and know exactly their roles because teachers who are trained to manage children with disabilities who are far away from them.
0: What are some of the things that you guys do to keep yourself safe?
3: Wear our mask. The ourselves. Stay home and far from the public. Social distance. Uh-huh. Wash ourselves. Washing our hands. Keeping the social distance. At least one metre distance. Yes. Washing your hands every time
1: in your houses.
3: Washing our hands. Washing our masks. Yay!
0: This podcast was made possible by the government of Namibia and UNICEF with funding from the government of Norway.